Good morning. You know that times must be getting desperate if I'm having to sing. And especially the bass part. I, I'm not really a bass singer all that much, but I, I just moonlight as one sometimes. How many's had a good week? Have you had a good week? Amen. I, f- I feel good today. God has greatly blessed us. We've got a beautiful day outside. So why don't we just worship God this morning? You already should have been worshiping God through, through the, the song, but this morning we're going to worship God through the Word. So if you'll turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter number 12, Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 1. Very familiar. Uh, we'll read this and uh, I'll get right into the sermon. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. If you'll stand to honor the reading of God's Word. If you're there, please shout amen. amen. All right, y'all, y'all must not shout much. I said, please shout amen. amen. That's a little better. The Bible says this. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus... The author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God, right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. We thank you for all that you do. God, I thank you for the wonderful word that you've given us, God, and and your work can stand all by itself. God, I just pray that you would touch each one that's here this morning, God, that you would meet needs wherever they're at all across this building. God, if there's anybody, Lord, that, that needs a touch from heaven this morning, God, I just pray that they would hear from you, Lord, and that you would let them know that you're there. God, if anybody's lost, I just pray that you would save their soul. And God, that a spirit of conviction could go out this morning. Lord, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel. God, help me to preach your word. But Lord, not of my power, God, because I stand here powerless this morning. And God, I ask you to preach. God, I ask the Holy Spirit to do the preaching this morning. God, give me clarity of mind, clarity of speech as I become your mouthpiece. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Everybody reads Hebrews chapter 11 if you know much about the Bible, and I hope you do, but if you don't, I'll give you the background of what it is. Hebrews chapter 11 is a very interesting chapter. In fact, it's one of the the favorite places for a lot of preachers to preach from because if there's one place in the Bible that there is a hall of fame, it would be Hebrews chapter 11. You can read that entire chapter, and it talks about faith, and it talks about the heroes of faith in the Bible. And actually Hebrews chapter 11 has a, has a verse in it that says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Can you say amen right there? That if you don't have that faith, if it doesn't dwell within you, then there is absolutely no way that you can even begin to please God. You must have faith. And so the writer goes through, we don't know who he is exactly, but the writer of Hebrews goes through and he's, he just starts a roll call, if you will, of all the folks from the Old Testament that, that did great things for God. And he goes through and he talks about Abraham and he talks about Noah and he goes on down and he talks about David and Samson and, and all these great men of faith and all the great things that they did for God. 
And, and if you wanted to this morning, and I won't, but you could add some New Testament names like the Apostle Paul, Peter, James, John, and all these great people of God that did great things. And so I won't read you the entire chapter. I did that one time during a sermon. I just read the entire chapter of Hebrews 11, and, and, and those people looked at me like, a, like a, an old mule looking at a new gate. So I won't do that this morning. But after Hebrews chapter 11, it doesn't just stop there. The writer says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. He says that, that wherefore seeing, so he's, he's alluding back to, he's pointing back to the Hebrews chapter 11. And he says, in light of Hebrews chapter 11, he says, I want you to think about it like this. He says, I want you to think about those people that we just talked about, Abraham and Noah and David and, and all these great men of faith that, that have, have stood the test of time, that fought a good fight and they did what they were supposed to. He said, he said I want you to look at them as a cloud of witnesses. He said they were a witness to the things that God did. They were a witness to many great things. You think about Abraham and all the things that God did through him. You think about Noah and what God did through him, how he was able to cleanse the earth of sin and, and, and kind of restarted everything. And you go in, and, and I didn't even mention Moses and all the great things that we see that God has done. But I want you to understand this. As famous as these men are, as great a, a thing as they did in, in all their lives, they're people. They're people. They're regular people. Abraham, I don't think he got up every morning and put his britches on. He probably put a robe on, but, but if he put a, a pair of britches on, he know how he'd, he'd have done it one leg at a time, just like you. Just a regular guy, but he was used by God. And they did all these great things. And so the writer says that, that wherefore seeing this great cloud of witness, he wants to stir your mind up and make you remember all these great people and all the great things that God did for them. And then he makes another illusion. He, he says he wants to paint a picture. I believe that the writer wants to paint us a picture this morning of a race. Could you agree with that? And, and the writer wants to put us right in the middle of this race. Many times the Bible refers to the life that we live as a race that we are running. The Apostle Paul says that I have, I have finished my course. That was a race course he was talking about. And so this, this journey that we live on, if you would like to this morning, I would liken it into a race that we are running. And many races that are run, they're running in great stadiums. And back then, these people, these Hebrew people knew what the writer was talking about. And their mind was drawn to the stadiums that they had and all the, the, the people that were just cheering them on. See, Tanner right here on the front row, I'm going to pick on Tanner a whole lot this morning. He's got thick skin and he's a big hefty boy and he can handle it. Amen. And he's, he was, y'all didn't know this, but Tanner was one of the best football players Cookville ever seen. Right, brother? That's a lie, he says. But Tanner knows what it is to go out there on the football field and, and, and you're going out there and maybe, maybe things aren't going so well for the team and, and things are, are, are not going as planned, but yet they're still cheering for you. And those folks are still in the stands and, and Carrie and Rhonda were up there saying, that's my baby out there on the field and they're cheering for that boy. 
And, and they're lifting him up and they're saying, go, go Tanner, go do what you do. And Tanner probably never touched a football a day in his life just looking at him. I'm just guessing. But he was cheered for. And so imagine that you're in that situation, that you're running a race. It's been a while since most of us have run very far for anything, right? But put yourself in the middle of the stadium and understand that we're about to run a race. And so he says that wherefore, he said, we're compassed about or we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. Then he kind of changes the tone and he says, let us do something. First, he says, I want you to notice this. He says that we are seeing, wherefore seeing. You see that at the first of the verse? We're seeing something. We're looking around. But then later on in the verse, he kind of changes his tone. And he said, let's go from seeing to doing. See, it's one thing to see what other people are doing. It's one thing to hear the cheers of the crowd and, and, and to think about all these great stories that were told of, of all these great Old Testament folks. It's one thing to hear that and to see those things, but it's another when the rubber meets the road and you've got to do it. Wouldn't you say amen right there? See, he says, let us do something. And so Paul is putting us Paul, I say Paul, we're going to assume Paul wrote this. The writer puts us at the, at the start of this race, and we're going to take off. But then he says something is going to happen. See, when you begin your walk with God, when you begin your Christian life, it may go smooth for a little while, but then some things are going to start happening. Can you say amen, Christians? See, when I got saved, I got saved at a fairly young age, so, so it didn't start happening for a while, and, and I wasn't greatly tempted. I was just a young guy. But I want you to understand that, that there are going to be some things that come at you. And he says that the weights and the sins that does so easily beset us. See, the, the thing about it is, is you look at the runner and you look at the person out there running this race, and he's doing it by himself. See, this is, this is not a race where I'm racing against Brother Gary to see who gets to heaven first because you're going, brother. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a good joke, wasn't it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not a race where we're against each other. This is our own individual race. And there are going to be some things that come at you and some things that if we're not careful will take you and it'll beset you. That word beset, if you go in and you look in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, he says the things that does so easily beset us. Things that, that come at us, things that surround us, things that, that just harass us, if you will, and they start weighing on you. Now I'm going to use Tanner. Come on up here on the stage. I'm going to do something a little different this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually give a, an illustration, and I don't normally do that, but just, just stand right there, brother. This right here is good. And we're going to say that Tanner's race course is, is from here. This is when Tanner gets saved right here. And right over there on the other side of the stage, just, just right over there where Andrew, towards Andrew and Julia is heaven. Okay? That don't look like heaven, but it is this morning. And you're, and you're going on this journey. You're headed in that direction, right? You can't turn back. You've repented. Sin is that way. Your old life is that way. And you are headed towards heaven. And so Tanner starts out on this race and everything's going good. But all of a sudden, Tanner gets attacked. And something happens. See, Tanner's past comes up. 
And did you know Tanner? I don't, I don't know what Tanner's past is, but, but let's just assume Tanner has a past. That's fitted for me. You're a little bigger than I am. So, so Tanner's got a past. And, and a lot of times, you know what I hear somebody's past being called? I hear it being called baggage. You ever heard anybody's carrying some baggage? So this morning, Tanner is going to start walking this way just a little bit. He takes a couple of steps, and before you know it, the past starts coming back and it starts haunting him. And things happen that, that, that start weighing him down. And so Tanner is starting to move, and he's running a race, and he's trying to do the best he can. But all of a sudden, now don't, don't fall down on me, okay? He starts getting weighted down with some things. And some things start coming to him. And some things, uh, and, and you think, well, what are these things? And I think about a lot of things, a lot of things that weigh Christians down. Now, just stand here for a few minutes, okay? You're strong. You can handle this, all right? You work out. You'll be okay. And I thought about what are some things that weigh us down? And I thought about fear weighs Christians down, doesn't it? The unknown the, the, the future, we don't understand what's about to happen in the future. And so we get fearful. And when we get fearful, then another thing happens and we, we start getting anxious. Anybody in here ever get anxious? I know I do. I, my patience is about this long. I don't have any, I, I'll just be honest with you, I don't have a whole lot of patience. And so if things aren't going well in life or just in a particular event in life, I start getting anxious. Start getting antsy, if you will. And a lot of times I do that, and if I'm not careful, I let that overwhelm me. I let it take over my life, that anxiety that I have. And then I start getting discouraged. And Tanner, is that bag getting heavier or is it getting lighter? It's getting heavy, isn't it? And, and I, I only put really, I mean, Tanner's a big old boy. I only put about 40 pounds in there, and, and that's not a fraction of what Tanner weighs, Amen. But the longer that this sets here on Tanner, the heavier it's going to get. And so our fear turns to anxiety. And then our anxiety, if we're not careful, will turn to depression. And it'll, it'll, it'll keep going and it'll still, you know what it'll do? It'll just weigh you down. It'll start weighing you down. And, and those are some internal things that I think weigh many people down. See, I, the thing about it is, is even though I'm called to preach, even though I'm the pastor of this church, I can't see what's going on in your life inside of you. I can see some external things. We'll get to that in just a minute. But internally, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't. And to be honest with you, I'm glad God doesn't allow me because if I knew what was going on in everybody's life, it'd probably, it'd probably bum me out pretty bad. But there are people here that are being weighed down by their fear, by their anxiety, by their, by their discouragement, by depression, and all these things that are within you that are just weighing you down. Weighing you down. And so the, the writer here says, he said, let us lay aside every weight and so we have the internal things that Tanner's dealing with. But, but one thing I noticed about Tanner's is, is uh, Tanner, he also works a job. Did you know that? Tanner works. I know that's hard to believe, but he does. And he's, and he's been to school and may still continue to go to school. And so if we're not careful, this is a, it's got a bunch of books in it. 
And so, is that heavy enough for you? All right. And so there's another weight that's added to him. Now, I'm not saying your job. I talked about careers last week and how they can get in the way. But I'm saying if we're not careful, we'll let things get in our way and we'll let them weigh us down. We'll get weighed down. And so Tanner, is, is it getting any lighter? Has it got lighter yet? Or is it getting heavier? And then Tanner, I, I, is, and the reason I picked Tanner is because one of his hobbies is working out. Tanner, is, is, that's one of his hobbies. So Tanner is going to take this weight right here. And also another, another hobby or another recreational thing that Tanner likes to do is he likes to listen to music. I'm not done yet. Can you handle this? Now, as fast as you can, I want you to run down. I want you to go down there. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Why don't you want to do that? What? You hurt yourself, right? Why? Because he is so weighed down with the things of life. Are any of these things wrong? I don't know. Probably not. Is, is having a job wrong? Well, absolutely it's not. Is going to school wrong? No, it's not wrong. But if we're not careful, we'll let it be a problem. That, those hobbies of his, and he, you know to look at him. I mean, he's struggling right now. Do y'all see that? Look at his face. Uh, he's, trying, he's trying to be a prideful man and say that this is not hurting. Oh, uh, you may get you something else, big boy. And he's doing what every single Christian does. He puts a big old smile on his face, and he says, I got this. I can handle this. All these, these things that are, are on my back, all this anxiety and all these things that, and all this school and my job and, and all these things that he's trying to balance. And you watch him, he's standing there shifting back and forth just trying to keep a hold on all this. And even though I've hung him on, hung him, you know, it's his choice to stand there and hold him. Right? See, if I was to play the devil today, and, and I don't like doing that, but, but see what the devil will do is he'll walk him, he'll just keep hanging things on you, and he'll just keep handing you things, things that are not always wrong, things that sometimes look good, and you'll hold on to them, and you'll hang on to them, and, you, and you'll just find another place to put it in your life. Tanner, I want you to do something for me, and I know this is going to be hard. But I want you to try your very best to just lift your hands and praise right now. <laughs> That's funny. Look at him. Are you comfortable right now? Yeah. You can put your hands down. <laughs> is my point proven yet? Y'all understand what I'm saying? Now, I know this, this is an extreme illustration, but it's a point that needs to be proven. That the writer of Hebrews says that we are running a race. And we need to be making progress. See, this whole time, Tanner, it, 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 he could make it from point A to point B really quick if he didn't have any of those things on him. But now he's weighted down, he's slowed down, and he's gotten to the point where he just can't hardly do anything. He can't hardly praise God. It's hard to worship when you're weighed down like that. It's hard to do anything because he's just holding on. He's holding on. Is it getting any lighter yet? Are you okay? Are we still friends? Okay, that's good. But see, the thing about it is, is Tanner, as I said, has got a choice. All Tanner has to do is choose today to lay that aside. 
You can. You can set them down. Lay them down, brother. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with doing that, what he's doing right now. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't mean that you're giving up. In fact, it's good sometimes if you would shed some things that are on you that should not be there. He said, let us lay aside every weight, every weight. You still got weight on you, don't you? Worse it out. Take this off too if you can, if you can handle it. Take it off and shed it and get rid of it. Those weights that does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. But I want you to understand, those weights, they'll slow you down. They will hinder you from what you are supposed to be doing. I mean, they'll just slow you down to sometimes a snail's pace. And so I want to draw your attention. Just hang right here with me for a minute. Just stay right there, Tanner. And he says this. He said, let us lay aside. There's two words that I want you to see. One of them is this. It's weight, but there's a word before weight. He says every weight, right? You see that? That means many weights, right? But then as I studied this out, this stuck out to me. In a strange way this week, he says, let us lay aside, and I've passed over this so many times, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. You see that, brother? Am I making that up? I'm not making that up. It's what the Bible says. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. So all these weights, step forward, you can step out of your weights so the thing about it is, is Tanner has now, he's now stepped out of these weights. He's come forth and, and he's, he's putting these things down and everything's going good. And he gets rid of these weights out of his life, these things that are not that bad. But then we turn the corner and we turn the page and we look and then sin shows up on the scene. Did you know this? Newsflash 2020 here in Cookville, I want you to understand this. God hates sin. Well, that was a terrible response to that statement. God hates sin. God still hates sin. God doesn't want sin in your life. Is it okay if I preach that here? I mean, that's what the Bible says, right? And I want to show you what sin does to you. See, see, these weights, they'll slow you down. They will hinder you, but sin does something totally different to you. See, sin... That's something that, that, that the weights don't do. The first thing that sin does is sin will bind you. All right? Is everybody with me? Everybody with me? Stay with me, brother, okay? Don't pass out. Put your feet together. And so what sin does is this sin is going to get Tanner around his legs, and I don't know what sin he's dealing with, but maybe that's why I'm using you this morning. And it'll get you around the legs. I don't know about you, but when I run, I run with my arms too, don't you? I, I kind of have to steer myself. Stick your hands out there for me. I can't tie you up good if you do that. Sin... You all right? All right, that's good. We'll bind you. See, a lot of people have the weights, but a lot of people's got some sin. We don't talk about that a lot, do we? It makes us uncomfortable to talk about sin. 
But if there's a place that sin needs to be addressed, it's in the house of God. Why? Because God's against it. I mean, he really is. God, God doesn't, I'll tell you what people do a lot of times, is they try to justify sin. They try to spiritualize sin. They try to measure themselves to other people and say, well, if they're doing it, I can too. And they'll come up with excuse after excuse after excuse. But I tell you what, no matter how many excuses you come up with, it's still sin. It's still sin. See, I want you to understand that when Tanner had all those weights, it was a possibility that he could still run the race. He might have been slow at it. He might not have been making as much progress as he should have towards spiritual maturity. See, here's another thing. I want to I just interject this real quick if I, if I can. The closer you get to heaven, the more mature of a Christian you should be. But I think that people don't move towards maturity as much as because they get weighted down. But worst of all, they get sin in their life. If you've got sin in your life, unrepentant sin, you can't grow towards maturity at all. You've got to get rid of that sin. So Tanner, I tell you what, he can't move at all. You know what's going to happen if Tanner tries to take off running towards that? He is going to fall flat on his face. So sin binds you. But here's another thing, and this is really going to require you trusting me, okay? Sin will also blind you. See, what a lot of people do is they'll take their sin... They'll try to justify it, and they'll get so much of it in their life, they can't see what's going on. They can't even see what's right. You've got a big head. I love you. <laughs> Can you see anything? You sure? Okay, good. And so Tanner now is standing there. And, and he's a good friend of mine, so I'll say this. And he's got sin in his life, whatever that may be. I don't know what it is. It may be unforgiveness. It may be lust. He may be lying. He may be gossiping. That's sin. Amen. Say praise the Lord right there. He may be doing a number of things. I don't know what it is. And just like the emotional things that are going inside of you that I don't know about, I don't know about your sin, but sometimes I do. But whether I know it or not, God does. God knows what's going on in your life. And so now that Tanner, who is a Christian person, don't you to understand, has got sin in his life. And you say, well, preacher, can, can, can save people sin? Absolutely they can. You say, well, prove that. Well, you know, I talked about Noah earlier, right? I talked about Noah, and after Noah got, out, got off the boat, see, Noah was the only righteous person that God could find on the face of this earth, him and his family. And he gets off this boat, and you know what the first thing he done was? He got drunk. That's sin. I'm glad Cecil agrees with me. That's sin. Man, I need to, I need to straighten y'all out, don't I? I'm just being honest with you. You go on over and we talked about Abraham and, and how that he had this, had this great testimony and how that God built his people from Abraham. But Abraham did not believe God. He had unbelief in his life. There's some sin. You get over to Samson. He's mentioned in the, in the hall of fame of faith. 
and all the great things that Samson did for Israel and, and all these great things that he did. And guess what? Sin in his life caused him to literally be bound, right, Brother Gary? Caused him to get his eyes poked out and be blinded because of the sin in his life. Need I even mention King David and his sin? And he's mentioned in the, the Hall of Fame of Faith that all the great things that David did. And you know what he did? He had an adulterous relationship with a woman. He committed murder. People can get that sin in their life and it's going to bind them and it's going to blind them. And they're going to try to justify it. They're going to try to make it look good. They're going to try to just whitewash it and make it go away. But you know what? It's still there. And until Tanner repents of his sin, and I'm just using you as an example, brother, but until that happens, he's not going to make any progress whatsoever because he is bound and he is blind right now. Even if he could move, even if he wasn't tied up, well, he's blinded. He don't know which way to go. Well, I'm preaching better than y'all are saying amen. amen. And so we get these things in our life and we get weighted down and, and with good things things that are okay but then we get sin in our life I'm going to untie you but I'm not going to unblind you okay see the thing about it is I'm going to read the next couple of verses just stay right here with me and uh, you can get yourself the rest of the way out of that Verse number 2, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read the rest of verse 1. It says that, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. He says, And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now here's why it's so important to not have sin in your life because you're going to be blinded by that sin because you're supposed to be looking somewhere. See, the whole time you're running this race, you're, you're headed in this direction, you're walking, you're going, and you're going this way. Who's sitting there? Who's, who are you looking towards? He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. What's that mean? That means that the author means he's the one that started it. He's the one that began our faith by dying on a cross, and, and he finished it on that cross. And he says, the author and finisher of our faith. We're looking unto him. See, when somebody's racing, they're looking towards the finish line. They're looking in that direction. And I tell you, I had this friend, and uh, he used to race four-wheelers. And, and Andrew's a dirt bike guy, and, and maybe he can relate to this. But he would race them. Y'all ever seen the county fairs where they go run in circles and try a bunch of rednecks, you know, and four-wheelers running over each other? And he had this bad tendency, and he would be racing. And he, sometimes, by, by a miracle, he would get in front, and he would be winning. He would get in front, and every single time, I kid you not, Lacey will attest to this, every single time that he got in front, he'd start looking back. He'd be riding, he's racing this way, and he'd be looking back over his shoulder. And he'd be looking back. And he'd look this way and one would pass him on this side. And he'd look this way and one would get him on that side. Why? Because he wasn't looking toward the finish line. He wasn't looking in the right direction. He had his, he had his eyes off the prize, if you will. And many people are sitting in this church house 
Today, I'm not talking about they were here last week. Or Oh, preacher, you're preaching about those folks that used to come here. No, I'm talking about people that are here now. People that, that have weights and sins in their life and they're beset. They're surrounded by them and, and they're not making much progress and they're not going towards the goal like they should be. Why? Because they won't lay those weights down. Why? Because they won't repent of their sin. Whatever it is, they just need to get rid of it, but they won't. See, now Tanner's unbound. All he had to do if he wanted to get that blindfold off his face is just reach up there and take it off. But he's got to make the choice to do that. I want you to understand that those, those sins that you have in your life are easily forgiven. They're already paid for. You know, there's religions out there that make you go to church. Wouldn't this be terrible here at Cookville Free Will Baptist Church if I made you come in here and confess to me what you did and pay the church money for how much sin you committed this week? Well, we'd be rich, wouldn't we? Praise the Lord. But that ain't how it works. Ain't how it works. Why? Sin's already been paid for. It was paid for 2,000 years ago by that man named Jesus. You saw in, in the second verse where it says that he endured the cross and he took all that shame, all that shameful sin that you're not willing to get rid of. Jesus already took it. That's why we're looking towards him. Look at him. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to take that sin out of your life. Those hindrances, those things that, that the Bible says that we're easily beset by. It's not even hard to beset us sometimes. It's so easy, but yet we just continue and we let it go on for too long and it builds and it builds and it builds. Until sometimes if we're not careful, we're just completely sidelined and completely out of the race. You can be seated. Thank you, brother. This is a hard thing to preach, I'm not going to lie. This is where God led me this morning, and I'm just telling you the truth, okay? I'm not giving you my opinions. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And the Bible says that we're weighted down, and we've got some sin. We've got some Christians in that shape. It's sad, but the beautiful thing about it is you can get right out of it. All you have to do is just ask, and God will forgive you. But you've got to make the first move. Let's talk about lost people for a minute. I think you could apply this to lost people if you wanted to. See, God designed you, God made you for his glory. If you're here this morning and you're breathing air, which is everybody in here, I want you to understand that I'm covering everybody. You were created for the glory of God. And God has a plan for your life. God has a starting point, and that starting point is salvation for you. And God already has that, that course, that, that race course. He's got it planned out where exactly He wants you to go. But see, a lot of people never even make it to the starting line. A lot of people don't even get there because they're weighted down. Because they've got these battles that they're fighting in their life and these things that they're not willing to set down. See, you've especially got to start the race unencumbered. See, that's the wonderful thing about when you ask God to save you 
And I've heard it described, and I know we're not saved by feeling, but I've heard it described like this, and it was like this for me, that when God saves you, it just feels like that something's just pulled off of you. Ever felt that, Brother Gary? Or that when you ask God to forgive you, it feels like that weight's just lifted off. And so many people, and some of them are sitting right here this morning, have not even started that race because they're not willing to get rid of those weights and they're not willing to ask God to forgive them of that sin. They think they're, they think they're too bad. You're not too bad for God to save you. God can save the worst of the worst. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Not a select group of people. Not people that were raised in church. Not a certain race of people or denomination or a demographic. Nothing like that. It's for whosoever would just call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that simple. So what's it take for you to lay it down this morning? What's it take for you to put aside those weights? What's it take for you to get out of that sin? Well, it's going to take God. It's going to take Him. But you have to make the choice. You have to make that first step towards that starting line. See, the thing about, about what we believe is free will Baptists, we have that free will, is, is we don't believe in predestination, okay? I'm going I'm to talk to you a little bit about doctrine this morning, okay? I want you to understand that you have the choice whether or not to die and go to hell. That God is not forcing you, God did not make that decision for you, that God is giving you the opportunity and the choice on whether or not you're going to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin so that you can go to heaven when you die. But it's up to you. You have to make the move. So I ask you this, what, what does it take for you to do that? Come on Cecil, come on get a song. Lauren, come on get a song. How hard is it going to be? Well, I mean, I said it last week. I can't drag you to the starting line of the race because I can't take those weights. I can't forgive you of sin. I think it's a pitiful thing that people in this world believe that another man can get their sin forgiven. Can't do it. I can't do it. This church can't forgive you. God can forgive you, and God will forgive you. But it takes you making that decision. It takes you stepping forward and saying, hey, I want to get rid of these weights. Hey, God, I want to get this sin out of my life. I want to be forgiven so that I can be on my way to heaven. Everybody stand this morning. Everybody, everybody stand up. Bow your head and close your eyes. And, and before Cecil sings, I'm going to pray. And if you need to be saved this morning, you come on. And we can take you to the Bible. I can take you to the book of Romans. I'm turning my Bible there right now. And I can tell you what it takes on the, on the authority of the Word of God. I can tell you what it takes to be saved. All it takes is you swallowing your pride and saying, God, save my soul. All it takes for the Christian to get back on the right path, to get unencumbered, is to say, God, help me. God, take these weights from me, but it's your decision, not mine. And if I could make that decision for you, there wouldn't be a lost person in here. There wouldn't be a lost person in Cookville, but it's not my decision. It's not up to me. It's up to you. So I'm going to pray, and if you feel led to come to the altar, please, as quickly as you can, come to the altar, and I can show you 
what it takes to be saved. Father, we trust you this morning that your word has went out. God, we know that that when your word goes out that it's not going to return void. And God, I just pray that that if there's anybody here, Lord, if if there's a saved person here this morning that's got sin in their life or got those weights that are encumbering them and keeping them from spiritual maturity, God, that you would just take those things away from them. God, that you would help them with those things. And Lord, that you would put them back on the right path. God, that you would put their feet back on the solid rock. But God, there's lost people here this morning. I know there are There's people here that need to be saved. And God, I just pray this morning that they would make a decision to follow you. That they would make a decision to walk up to the starting line and unencumber themselves upon their decision to follow you. And God, I just pray that that you would move in this place this morning. God, I know the Holy Spirit is here. And God, we trust you to do your work. God, we praise you. Thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Cecil, sing for us, brother.